When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Uh, just hitting record knowing that Brandon Crawford won't be on it to record anything in relief after everything that happened yesterday. I, it just, I don't know. I don't want it to feel like a letdown because, you know, the Giants went 4-2 and two this week. Doug, how are you feeling after this week? I mean, not not too bad. It's uh, It doesn't make any difference in the grand scheme of things, but when they go 3-0 and and then 1-2, and it's a little more disappointing than when the second series is a win, even though it shouldn't be. You know, four wins is four wins, but... Uh, yeah, you know, they looked pretty bad in a couple games against the Cubs. Even the game they won, the defense looked terrible, but they, they pulled through it. It's good when the Giants score uh, 13 runs and are able to put a position player into pitch. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting stat cast data and articles posted about Brandon Crawford pitching. Can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we are still being proven correct three weeks out from the statement uh, that this is who they are. They're a 500 team. There's a vortex of 500 that they will maybe get two or three games ahead of and then get pulled right back to it. And that's literally what we saw this week with some minor things. I mean, continuing their unprecedented win streak in Coors Field is incredible. They won a, a game with a comeback that involved no home runs. So there were there were certainly things that were that are. Po- I think that's the thing. There are positives almost in every game or almost in every series that the Giants are playing big turnaround from last year. I think that's what Giants fans have to kind of like keep in mind is like they're still turning the ship, but there's quite a lot uh, of things to be excited about. Jock Peterson's multi-home run game on Sunday. That was great. We got splash hit 101. We didn't jinx anybody with our bullpen trust power rankings, Doug. That's good. I know. I, I We had Junis either at seven or eight and he was the bad one against the Cubs. So yeah, we nailed it. Also, the Giants have clarified something. They were very much like Shamanaya is a reliever and we're not going to mess with what's good. So we nailed that too, where he's like, is he a reliever? Is he a starter? We don't know. We're including him. And we got clarification there. Uh, The Giants are getting healthier. That's also an important thing. And then I challenged the Giants to show proof of life with Mitch Hanniger for this Cubs series. And he prevented the Giants from being no hit on Saturday to show that he is at least briefly alive. He's only <laughs> mostly dead. I mean, if he hadn't hit that double, we'd have all been very embarrassed. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it was a very big hit. 
in terms of us remembering that shitty game for years to come. We're going to get to interesting concerning in just a moment. We're also going to talk uh, about something else that came up in the news earlier this week about the Giants and their Spanish language broadcasts. And then we're going to do a very brief, hasty preview of the Cardinals series that's happening starting today. But before we do all that, Doug, let's do it, man. Let's talk about these prospects a little bit. It all seems, right, let's do it. <laughs> it seems like every day we're hearing about multi-homer games from from just any prospect or like the big name ones. You got your Louis Matos, you got your Marco Luciano, Will Wilson, who keeps jumping back and forth between like, is he a guy? Do you know he's just a guy? Yeah. And then, you know, you've even got solid starts and exciting starts from Kyle Harrison, Keaton Wynn. He's on the back burner. He might be coming up, uh, making a spot start here pretty soon. And you've even got Kai Wang Tang, who's like, turning it around from his the, the guy walks and hits batters at an alarming rate it's staggering but he's actually he's put together i think a starter two now where he he walked he struck out a lot it was like a eight to two strikeouts to walk so he's even turning it around so the giants have a lot of excitement going on down in the farm to the point that curmudgeonly giants fans are like farhan let's get louis matos up to the big league squad now uh how, how's that making you feel let's let's get into this I mean, it's, it's fun that there's guys to get excited about in the upper minors, you know, for, cause for years it would be like, well, you know, we got this guy in single a three years from now, if everything goes, no, like we're, you know, a couple months from now, it could be, you know, three or four of them who are up in the majors. It's fun. It's, it's exciting. Um, and this is kind of what it takes for Farhan's player development strategy to sort of take root is it takes a lot of time. You know, you can talk about the guys they already have, but the really the key to the Dodgers becoming that consistent team is that they keep getting guys up through the minors. And so, yes, they have, you know, they have Kershaw and they have uh, whoever else I don't want to think about right now. Uh, I'll, I'll not soil the name of this podcast. I'll not soil <laughs> this podcast with other Dodger names. But they keep getting contributions from guys who are not the who are not like the top prospect in baseball, just consistently churning out good players. And if the Giants can start doing that, which is, I think, Farhan's key, then they can at least hope to be in that echelon that the Dodgers are in. So seeing, you know, Matos and to an extent Wilson and Keaton Wynn and all of them start to really have good, consistent performances time in, time out. I mean, it's, it's really, it's very promising for the future of the team. And I think regardless of how it goes for the end of the year, because I'm complete agreement with you, the I'm sure their goal right now is like, let's see how many of these players we can fold in to our roster this year. Let's see where we're at at the trade deadline, because I have to imagine they're not going to trade any of these guys. The ones that you've been hearing about positively for the last few weeks, I don't see them being like, well, Louis Matos is playing so well, we'll flip him and get Shohei Otani. I don't, that, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, I don't think, I think they're going to want to hold on to them. The Giants have a major league roster and who knows what the strategy is going to be. It, it, the trade deadline's August 1st. I have to imagine July is when we'll actually start to, to see things uh, in, in terms of like who's going to make some moves. We don't know what they're going to do, but you know, if they start subtracting some of the major league players, that leave creates opportunities for these minor league players. And like I said, I think the goal is to fold these players in if they can keep it up as the year progresses. That's it. That should be what we are all expecting. You know, I think 
that in and of itself is a massive accomplishment. It would point, it would show that like, oh, all the plan is coming together. The design, we saw 2021 that, you know, we saw what it is capable of when it's got, it's, it's at full power, full strength. But the other part of it was like, well, how are you going to keep finding these young or talented inputs into that model to get you to 107 or 100 plus wins again? We've, we've, we've just been waiting and we're going to have um, we're going to have Roger Munter on next month. And I'm still going to ask him the question, Doug. I'm like, is this just luck? <laughs> because in a way, it's sort of like, well, it does. It sort of betrays the idea that, that it's luck because it was a, des- a desolatory, a terrible farm system in terms of progress, injuries, stagnation, players actually taking step backs, uh, steps back, and like just this huge, this total view industry wide that the Giants farm system, you know, for whatever reason was fizzling or couldn't put it together, and now, quote unquote, miraculously, it's all sort of turned around in a hurry in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of positives going on, and I I think it's just enough to say positives because that is in itself of itself. The mindset change, like, oh, we can do this. I don't know. That's what's making me happy. It's put a spring in my step. Yeah, I've, I've noticed your step is much more springy lately. Oh, I appreciate you not um, saying anything about it. Or before, it would have like made me self conscious and all that. But yeah, now that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's it's one of the things that you look at. You look at the way the Giants are kind of setting up the farm system, and I'm sure it is partially luck that any individual guy is that good. You know, Macho's hitting. I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats. I think 700, right? 750, something like that. Whatever the slugging um, percentage of a home run is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that he just keeps on hitting and hitting. Like he wasn't, you couldn't expect somebody who's going to be that good suddenly after having a pretty disappointing season last year. But some of it is like design. And the design I think is just, you collect guys with interesting tools, get as many of them as possible. Um, Will Wilson is a good example because the Giants basically bought him from the Angels for the price of DFAing Zach Cozart. Um, and then you throw all the mechanical stuff at them and see what happens. And, you know, eventually some of those talented guys are to come, come through and, and become stars. And you're seeing it. Um, you're seeing it more and more these days. <laughs> Doug, what's something you found interesting about the Giants this week? Brian, I'm so glad you asked that. Um <laughs> I what I really liked was seeing Patrick Bailey continue to hit. Um, you know, obviously we know about the glove, and you know he's a catcher; he's not going to play full time. Um, but he he had another good week. He had a like a just looks like a major leaguer, and the Giants basically went to Joey Barton like, all right, well you're going to be in the minors now. Not, nothing we can do about it. And Patrick Bailey earned that um, in a way that you kind of expect rookies to regress a lot of the time. It's we've definitely seen that uh, with Casey Schmidt in recent, in the recent weeks where he's, he's been pretty bad. Um, You know, two, two extra base hits yesterday aside though. One of them was Mike Chalkman losing the ball. Uh, What a a baseball play. Mike Chalkman known for his glove. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I don't think we could have expected that considering that Talkman made like the play of the, the month, the day yeah. before, but it happens, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, so seeing Bailey just keep hitting and keep showing up and keep being 
such a, a strong presence has been really gratifying and really promising. That's a really good one. Patrick Bailey also having the squeeze play fan in Colorado. Uh, fantastic, exciting stuff. His defense, defensive runs. I, I, I'm always um, sketchy on fan graphs, defensive runs, but he's at a plus 3.3. And since May 1st, he's basically played in 17 games and his defense has just been tremendous. I mean, he has a positive player across the board. Uh, but yeah, Patrick Bailey, uh, the 31% strikeout rate to 3% walk rate, probably not good. But <laughs> yeah, said, <laughs> there is some regression coming. Yes, yes. <clears throat> but he has been uh, absolutely fantastic. So what I found interesting about the Giants this past week was it's related to our bullpen trust. The pitching, uh, to go back to that May 1st stat, the Giants pitching is the fifth best in baseball. Just overall, not even just talking about the bullpen. Their wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs, 4.6. That's, again, fifth in baseball behind the Marlins, number one, who are basically six wins. San Diego, 5.7. Seattle, 5.7. Minnesota, 4.7 wins above replacement. This, they're doing this with th- with three-fifths of a rotation. They're, they're missing, you know, Alex Wood. I don't know if he's going to be a rotation guy, but let's assume that they want him to be because having back-to-back bulk bullpen games like they did in Chicago uh, against Chicago, you know, that is not a sustainable situation they want to be in. That is not indicative of a team that's got healthy depth or good depth. So, and even though they figured things out with Sean Mania, or at least they think they have for the time being, which we talked about this, it's like right now it's working. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Like they have a fifth starter, but it's built around the design of a bullpen game. All that said, they are pitching their lights out. They're 22 and 16 since May 1st. And I think in large part because of that, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but you know, they're pitching as well as any other team in baseball right now. And I, I just found that interesting. They go in the Colorado, they, they have, you know, some shaky, not shaky starts. It's just like Colorado luck, but you know, Cobb and Webb, they looked good. And uh, even though they give up more runs than you would think they would give up, but when they're pitching well, but they pitched well and, and it all worked out. And then I want to I want to mention uh, Ryan Walker, who had a tough game on Friday. Came back on Sunday and looked really good. Um, he pitched uh, more than two innings. <laughs> he and then the third inning he was out there, which is not something he usually does. He doesn't, you know, he's not a three inning long relief guy. The defense just really fell apart behind him, but he was still able to get through it. I really liked not to get too like greedy gumption points here but i really liked his poise there um he didn't give up a run even though i i don't know how because that (laughs) or he did give up he gave up one unearned run but you know he kept it together it's his third inning of work he threw a bunch of pitches um i was really impressed by the way he did that because that's you don't necessarily expect that from a reliever he threw 51 pitches he's not a 50 pitch guy no Um, and so i I thought that was incredible. He, I saw some criticism of Gabe Kapler that, you know, in at least in Saturday's game to, you know, use and said it was Friday's game to use Brebbia instead of Walker, which that must mean some of these people were listening to our bullpen trust power rankings when I was like, <laughs> Brebbia should, yeah, we got to have him come in. Imagine him as the stopper. But they, they then use Brebbia as the opener the next two days. And so if I were to, Come into if you were parachuting me into the start of that series and looking at the plan, Ryan Walker is the guy I would have put in that situation. They, they, they 
the Giants did what uh, what the fans who who study the numbers too would have done because that's how good that's how confident I am in that guy. He fits their pitching their reliever profile so perfectly that it's like yeah, and he's earned the spot. He's looked good. Uh, I like that. I'm always excited to talk about Ryan Walker, and I understand he's a reliever and he's going to break my heart at some point. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and so I mean, I understand there's criticism to bring him in, but he's been very good. You know, bring, bring him in on Friday. He's been very good. And sometimes relievers just give up runs. Like, I'm sorry, it happens. It will yeah. happen to everyone. Camilo yeah. Duvall will have a blown save at some point this year that absolutely pisses you off. Yeah. And it won't be Kapler's fault for putting him in. It's just sometimes if you have an ERA of one, every 18th inning you pitch, you're going to give up two runs. It happens. Yeah. One more thing I found interesting was that the Giants option, Joey Bart. And you already mentioned it, of course, but I, I just started, I had shower thoughts, Doug, about Joey Bart. And I wonder if, you know, I don't think he's a guy that far anxiety would have drafted is sort of the, the starting point for all this thinking. And he got hit by pitches early in his career or his pro career. He missed some time in the minors. Let's also remember that even though the Giants called him up for the COVID year, that was literally so that he just didn't sit and rot. You know what I mean? So he's had a very, and the team has even acknowledged like his trajectory uh, for development has been, you know, wonky. Uh, You know what? I take that back. He has basically a two to one strikeout to walk in the, in college with a 950 OPS. I'm sure they would have drafted him or uh, it's not inconceivable that foreign society would have drafted him. All that said, I do. I have wondered if the uh, Bobby Evans crew, development crew, had stayed in and developed him. First of all, the major league team would have continued to be a disaster. There's no question. <laughs> but would Joey Bart's career path gone a little bit better, differently? Are the Giants were some of the old hands that were in the Giant system better able to develop catchers? I'm not sure. He's such a bad hitter. He's such a bad hitter. What I just found interesting was both he and David VR seem to be, I think the public comment was sort of that they've been sent down with like a, an attitude adjustment that they need to work on. I think that was what one of the comments that Joey Bart was making, like, I'm going to try to not internalize the, the failures. I'm going to try to just have a better attitude about everything, which I don't know if that's some sort of like weird Orwellian thing that the giants are doing like we're gonna knock you back down and just have a good attitude about it but you know he's hitting poorly in triple a on this rehab assignment he's not like hitting any better it's not like david vr where david vr is like half as good in the majors as he is in the in the minors and he's really good in the minors joey bart is just really struggling to hit to right now and put it all together so i just i what i find interesting is that the giants are just washing their hands of him a little bit. And I wonder if he's going to even be a trade chip. Like it, have they tainted the possibility of moving him in a move as a deal? Is he so not wanted by the rest of the industry? Because you still have the Billy Eplers out there, Doug, who will trade <laughs> for a guy like Joey Bart and maybe give you a couple prospects <laughs> that you can use. Uh, and obviously those, that number of receptive teams is dwindling as everyone gets on the same pattern of of analyzing players player performance but i just find it interesting how they've handled joey bart and i wonder if it's hurt or hindered their ability to utilize him in any positive way for the organization going forward 
So before Buster Poser retired after the 2021 year, I thought they were going to use Joey Bart as a trade chip. It kind of made a lot of sense to me. And then, of course, they needed a catcher, so they couldn't do that. But he had always been someone who was a little bit disappointing. And you could see a team, even a smart team, it doesn't have to be a Billy Epler. It doesn't have to be, you know, that kind of GM who trades for Darren Ruff and it goes badly. But it could be someone who's like, no, our mechanics guys can fix him. We have something that we see there. We know what we want to do with him. We'll see if, you know, it could be something like that. I think with another couple years of Joey Bart kind of proving that he's not a very good hitter, that's probably fallen by the wayside a little bit. The one thing that's been, that was surprising to me this year with Joey Bart is that he did not homer um, in 84 plate appearances. And he just, you expect to see more power. Like even if he's striking out a lot, he had five doubles. That was it for extra base hits. Um, that's, that's, that is a singles hitter. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about Joey Bart is you expect him to be able to hit the ball hard and hit it out. And he wasn't doing that. I, I don't know if that's swing changes of the teammate. I don't know if that's just the league knowing how to pitch him, but it, that was pretty concerning. Um, and so, yeah, he's got to figure it out and maybe it'll be in the minors and maybe it'll be in another organization. Doug, anything else you found interesting? No. Uh, Brian, is there anything you found concerning this week? The I'm saying this after they've scored 13 runs in a game, so I'm going to sound like a maniac, but the offense uh, actually concerns me. Uh, for all the dap and praise I was giving the Giants pitching staff, it's remarkable to look at that top five that I mentioned and see how all those teams are not like, you know, they're not like winning in bunches. The, uh, the Marlins went 21 and 16 again, since May 1st, the Padres 17, 19 Mariners, 19, 17 twins, 16, 21 giants now 22 and 16, which is that's the best of that group. But you would kind of think if the giants had like a top five pitching, maybe it wouldn't be so close to 500. Maybe it'd be a little bit more, maybe the closer to 25 wins. In any case, the giants offense just by uh, weighted runs created plus was 98, which was like 19th in baseball. In the same span, so they've got top five pitching, and they're in almost, and they're in the bottom third of the league, effectively with with their hitting, and I, that's concerning to me. They they gave almost sixty percent of their plate appearances to guys who wound up hitting below league average by weighted runs created plus. You know, Blake Sable's kind of the pivot point. When I started looking at the data, he was ninety nine weighted runs created plus, and he had such a big day on uh, on Sunday. He's effectively a league average uh, hitter. In Sabermetrics, there's sort of an obsession with like, well, it's not enough to be a, a 100 to be league average. It's not even enough to be over 100. It's the 110 plus guys. Those are the good ones. Those are the actually good hitters. And so if you just look at it at that level, I don't know, maybe you can explain why that's the case. The Giants had uh, they're very top heavy on their lineup. Michael Conforto, Jock Peterson, Austin Slater, Lamont Wade Jr., Patrick Bailey. They all had 110 or better weighted runs created plus since May 1st. And that represents only 40.8% of the Giants plate appearances. The majority is going to guys who are actually below that or below league average entirely. And you've got uh, you've got guys, Brandon Crawford, Casey Schmidt, Wilmer Flores, Brett Wisely, Mike Yastrzemski, Mitch Hanniger. You know, you got Bryce... 
Johnson, Joey Bart, Cal Stevens, and David Villar in there as well. But, you know, got kind of like a weird top heaviness with the lineup right now. And I think they need a little more balance. So it's a little concerning for me. Yeah, and I was also going to say the offense because you, what you saw this week is how feast or famine they were. They had two different games where they went into the sixth inning without a hit. Um, one of them, you know, took them until the eighth inning. We already talked about that. But one of those is a game in Coors Field. I, how do you get to the sixth inning in Coors Field without a hit? It's very surprising. They obviously came back to win that game. It, it went well overall. But when you think about what this team should be doing, they should be hitting better. You know, they should, you should be seeing that kind of more reflected throughout the line. It's one of the things we talked about that with when Estrada and Jock came back, that they were going to have more length in the lineup. And what's really happened is, um, is they've seen some regression from some of the guys who've been in there. And so my concerning thing for the week, which kind of ties pretty directly into this, and I've already mentioned it, is how bad Casey Schmidt's been at the plate lately. Mm-hmm. The last week he's been, he's been, obviously he had two extra base hits yesterday. The only one of them was really an extra base hit. But in, in the month of June, not counting yesterday's game, um, Schmidt was hitting, before he, coming into yesterday's game, we'll say, in the month of June, Schmidt was hitting 095, 136, 143. And I mean, that's what it feels like, too. You know, you're yeah. not watching him being like, oh, he's hitting the ball hard. He's just going right at people. It's one of those things that happens. No, he's, he's you know, maybe not deserved to be that bad, but he you can tell he's not hitting the ball right. And they're starting to kind of talk about it a little bit on the broadcast, the way they do when they're like, when a guy has to hit better or he'll get sent down, but they don't want to say that. They're like, well, you know, the league's adjusted him. He has to adjust back. And that's that's really what's been happening with him, where he just the league knows that he's not going to walk. You know, he's had one, he's walked once, right? But they can throw it out of the zone. They can throw the the Aaron Rowan slider three feet off the plate, and there's a good shot he'll swing at it. He was kind of the thing that gave the Giants life there for a week or two in May, and it's that has completely disappeared. He's when he's in the lineup, he is dragging it down. Just to give people a sense of what's going on here, and two things. One, it shouldn't come down to Casey Schmidt. He's supposed to be being folded in, but the Giants are in the situation they're in because they don't have a lot of depth there. Casey Schmidt, since May 1st, has been their 10th best hitter, and he has an 88 weighted runs created plus, just slightly better than Wilmer Flores at 86. Doug, Brandon Crawford has been a better hitter (laughs) <laughs> than Casey Schmidt since May 1st. And he's played in uh, 12 fewer games. So, and Brandon Crawford is not good. 89 weighted runs grade. Plus we've seen him be a little bit better. Tyro Estrada's uh, f- has just tumbled so, so much. And he's, even though he missed some time on the IL, he has been scuffling of late. So it was good to see him getting it going on Sunday. One other point about Sunday's game, the giants are supposed to beat the shit out of the Cubs. <laughs> No, Wesneski is like their worst starter. Their bullpen is not great. The, the Giants should not have struggled as much as they did in the first two games, although you look at it and it's like Stroman and Kyle Hendricks. Those would be starters on the Giants for sure. So it's kind of like not that surprising. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, them blowing out uh, the Cubs on Sunday is not that big of a surprise. And hopefully they'll 
keep it over to the Cardinal series, which we'll talk about in a second, because that's another team they should hit well against. But yeah, I, I like your Casey Schmidt point, but in the larger context, it's kind of like that Adobe AI, the thing that people are doing, like here's what the rest of the image looks like. It's like Casey Schmidt should not extend beyond the bo- the boundary. He should be considered as like a, a rookie figuring things out, not as some sort of, bo- of lineup linchpin. You've got Mike Yastrzemski who's hitting worse than him. That's that's not what they planned. Mitch Haniger is hitting worse than him by a lot. That's not what they planned. You add those two guys in, and they're you know Blake Sable is hitting better than Mike Yastrzemski and Mitch Haniger, and Wilmer Flores. Is that the situation the Giants thought they would be in? That anyone thought they would be in? No. Any other things you found concerning? Mm. No. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing I'm interested in. Well, this wasn't something that falls under interesting concerning because I wanted to actually spotlight it. But uh, there was an article that John Shea wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle, and I simply piggybacked on on McCovey Chronicles. But the Giants are cutting corners, cutting costs with their Spanish language broadcasters by not broadcasting all the road games, by not traveling their broadcasters for all the road games either. And uh, I... 35 road games are not doing. This is a practice that's been going on since 1998, I believe. The Spanish language broadcasters, of course, get paid a fraction of what the what the English language, the primary team does. I thought they were all on the same team, right? John Miller, Dave Fleming, they always talk about the Giants broadcaster broadcasting team. And he mentions Tito Fuentes on the Spanish side, the lead guy there. Um, there's this guy, Jason Pearl, who I immediately didn't like reading his quote. And then I saw a picture of him. I liked him even less, but you know, this is a long time practice by the giants and, you know, serendipitously, I've been talking about the giants Spanish language broadcast early in the year. Cause I've been listening to them uh, because of the delay in MLB app, that app. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say, this is some sort of injustice. This just seems like an ugly business practice that is acceptable to most people. And I think it just sort of betrays, whatever image the giants are trying to push to the community and, you know, don't believe them and think they're, I think it's pretty gross, but I don't know, Doug, did you have any reaction to that news? On the one hand, it's not surprising. That's exactly the kind of thing you think a team would do. But on the other hand, it's like, guys, what's the point of a broadcaster? It's to expand the long-term reach of the team. And every game you're not broadcasting is like, is a failure of that. You know, I, I know that businesses aren't very big on, on investing in the future when there's a bottom line hit today, but it's such a no brainer that you try to get every fan you can, because those, if, if a 10 year old who speaks basically just Spanish becomes a Giants fan today, he'll be a Giants fan for like 60 years. That's such a huge opportunity just from a purely mercenary point of view to make money off him or her. I'm woke. (laughs) And so to see them just, not doing that, you know, spending what 35 games not having a Spanish broadcast uh, for road games, not bringing them along because it's cheaper. Uh, I mean, I don't, it's such a weird, weird thing to do, especially because the only real cost to bring them along would be the hotel and the per diem. I assume they would come on the team plane. It's not like you have to pay for travel. Uh, so I, yeah, know. that's why I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm going like, it's such a, the cost, like, what is it paying for? What is the expense saved actually paying for? And the idea that they they don't even consider a delay or like a, you know, an in-studio broadcast with some sort of delay. It's just, 
it was a bizarre thing to read. And it just seems like, okay, so now this piece of news is out there. And I know that there are older fans who don't care. And this isn't for you. You're going to die soon. And the world is not for you. (laughs) So don't worry about it. Don't sweat this small stuff. But I just think it's a very strange uh, situation that they would put themselves in because Spanish speakers in the state of California, it's the second, it's the language that's spoken the second most in the state. And you're about to be the only team in Northern California. That seems like a a prime opportunity to grab some hearts and minds there. I love that the article has, it mentions what the A's do. They broadcast only 71 games road or home. I like, they only travel to San Francisco and it's like, (laughs) what was that? What was that balance? It's like, (laughs) No, the Giants do something, uh, do a terrible thing when they can afford not to, but it's not as bad as what the A's do because the A's are terrible at everything. I'm like, that's not news. So why is that in there? Uh, It's weird that the Giants have their Spanish language broadcasts are managed by someone else who doesn't handle the primary broadcast, the the English language broadcast. Isn't that weird? Isn't it? Wouldn't it fall all under the same umbrella? It's very strange. Yeah, but maybe that guy just doesn't speak Spanish. Yeah, it's unclear if Jason Pearl speaks Spanish. Yeah. So it's it's bizarre. It's it's bizarre all the way around. And it's a 25 year old practice that seems like uh, it's worth shining a light on and, and investigating and talking about. It's like 25 years. You 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 guys are probably making some really archaic uh, data driven decision making over there. Like maybe you need to update your numbers a little bit or your perspective. All right. Enough of that unpleasantness, Doug. But I hope something changes for the better. Tio Fuentes is great, by the way. Just want to throw that in there. <laughs> Not great. The Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> Who the Giants will be facing this weekend or this week. And I got to tell you, Doug, whenever it's a bad team, it's just an old thing. It's like, and it's on the road. I, I'm like, the, the Giants should be okay against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are 27 and 39. Can you believe it? I think sometimes we all forget, ah, it doesn't matter how the Cardinal season are go- is going. They're going to put it together, figure things out, go on a run, and then be in the NLCS somehow and lose four games to two. Like that just seems like the arc of every uh, Cardinal yeah. season. But this year it might not actually happen, even though the NL Central is kind of a mess. Their best hitter is still Paul Goldschmidt. How? How has that happened? How? He's 35, Doug. I, I refuse. But the dark, the dark magics. Yes, he is a two point. I, I spelled that with a K, by the way. M A G I C K S. I could hear it. It was a hard K. Yes, <laughs> it's a hard K. Absolutely. Thirty-five years old, and the dude is still a two-win player. Legitimately, one hundred forty weighted runs created plus. He's still great. Nolan Gorman also right there, one forty. Uh, Twenty-three years old. Lars Newbar still think he's on the IL. Nolan Arenado scuffling. This year, but still 119 weighted runs created plus. It's their pitching where they really fall down. It's like one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball. Uh, the Giants on the road, not um, not great. But the thing is, is that their team is mostly competitive uh, on the road. They can hang in games for the most part. Doug, what do you have to say? <laughs> uh, the Cardinals pitching is bad. Um, <laughs> coming into Sunday. In the month of uh, June, the Cardinals have had four pitchers with an ERA under 450. One of them has pitched two innings. One of them has pitched 
two and a third innings. Uh, that's Ryan Helsley and Stephen Matz, respectively. Uh, the other two are starters. They've been actually good, Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery. Everyone else has been bad. That one guy, uh, Henesis Cabrera, has pitched four innings, an ERA of 4.50. Everyone else's ERA, over five. So Miles Michaelis, ERA of 5.73 so far this month. Adam Wainwright, 5.06. Jordan Hicks, just flat six. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos, 12 in three in a in three innings pitch. I mean, they just they cannot seem to avoid giving up runs, which is delightful because I don't care for the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> Me neither. And another part of this is their defense, which you would think the Cardinals are a fundamentals team. They're one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. They're right now just a little below, but they're worse than the A's. You know, so it's like if the Giants can somehow avoid striking out and the Cardinal staff is not a high strikeout staff, then putting the ball in play will be very helpful. So we'll see what happens there. And I'd like to think that I'm saying it again, Doug, Mitch Hanniger, come on, show us you're still alive, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Have a big series. <laughs> All right. We're podcasting on fans first sports network at fans first SN. Also check us out on Twitter at giants Croncast. Doug, what are you writing this week and where? Uh, so I am at giantsdoug.substack.com Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, I believe I will be writing about Casey Schmidt on Tuesday. Oh. So let's see if he can have a huge game on Monday and uh, completely change the tenor of my article. And then on Thursday, I am writing about how Brian is a big dummy head who steals article ideas. <laughs> what did I steal? Oh, I guess I'll have to find out on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday, we'll be back with uh, our preview of the Dodgers series and talk about any other exciting things that might have happened down on the farm. Because God knows, Doug, that's where it's all coming from. It's where all the excitement and joy is coming from. So It's all coming from the farm and also Brandon Crawford pitching. (laughs) And about that Cardinals series, when you're done with this episode of the Croncast, head on over to Meet Me at Musual, the St. Louis Cardinals podcast on Fans First Sports Network. I did a, about a half hour interview with Daniel there who runs the show. It goes in a little more depth, a little more detail than Doug and I get into in this one. But if you want more Giants coverage by me, you can head on over there. All right. So until Thursday, go Giants. Go Giants.